0: Thank you for listening to Speaking of Vegan. If you or someone you know is vegan and would like to be a guest on our show, feel free to email us at info at speakingofvegan.com. Be sure to send along a brief description of yourself and why you'd be a great guest on our show. Again, that email is info at and you can also contact us through our website at www.speakingofvegan.com.
1: Welcome to another edition of Speaking of Vegan, speakingofvegan.com, the podcast, and so much more. I'm Anuj Shah, your host, as always. And it is an incredible delight, privilege, and pleasure to have on Dr. Will Tuttle on today's show. We are just... i I just uh, floored with the opportunity. Dr. Tuttle is such an immense figure in the vegan animal rights philosophical movement. Um, He has a master's degree, among other things, in humanities from San, uh, San Francisco State University, and he got his PhD in the philosophy of education from the University of California at Berkeley. Dr. Tuttle is a musician. He's a professional pianist, composer, and teacher. And for the last um, 15 or 20 years, he's presented at progressive churches, vegetarian and human potential uh, conferences, and in intentional communities throughout the country. Uh, he trained in Korea, in fact, as a Zen Buddhist monk. And he's worked, worked extensively in Tai Chi, yoga, meditation, intuition, and development, and spiritual healing. And he has lived all over the country and traveled all over the world. Um, his seminal uh, work was the is the World Peace Diet that at this point is now in its 11th or 12th year. It came out in 2005, I think, right, Doctor ten, Tuttle. Ten-year anniversary. It's a ten-year. Year, so it's ten. This year's ten-year anniversary yeah. is 2005. And uh, most recently, uh, Circles of Compassion. You sort of uh, masterminded that project, Doctor Tuttle, and. Uh, um, and it's a delight to have
2: you here with us. Welcome to Speaking of Vegan. Thank you so much Anoush, great to be here.
1: It is so great to have you on. You know, we've I've talked to you and, and, and had the privilege of knowing you and your lovely wife Madeline for so many years and you know, you have deeply and profoundly impacted the vegan and animal rights movement with your thinking and your writing and I want to get into that in a little bit too because it's so important for people to understand. You have a unique take on really looking at the philosophy and the underpinnings of exploitation, of the exploitation of other beings, and how that Im- impacts on people's everyday uh, way of being in terms of the problems and the difficulties and the challenges we have in this world. And again, I want us to get into that in just a few moments, but I wanted us to uh, take a moment to talk about your most recent projects. You and, and Madeline travel all over the country, and in fact, over the world. I think you went across the Pacific uh, earlier this year. In fact we were trying to get you on but you were traveling so many places and uh, you were just telling us earlier that you have been going to the Middle East and doing cruises and talks there so why don't let me let you jump in and just tell us what your projects have been what you've been up to and and what's been going on lately.
2: Great well thanks The News. Yeah we're uh, still since the World Peace Diet has been out now for 10 years and as soon as the book came out I felt the need and the yearning actually to help spread the message through making public presentations to help share the ideas and that's just been going uh, in cycles it seems like over the last um, 10 years uh, that are getting wider and wider and larger and larger and it's great to see the vegan message beginning to uh, really impact uh, not only through, through the United States and the culture here but through Europe, through uh, Asia. We're gonna be going to Africa in a couple of months. And um, it's, uh, I think, a, a human uh, yearning. It, it's, it's not new, it's ancient, to uh, understand how we can live in harmony on this beautiful planet with each other and with animals. And uh, I think it's also a human yearning to uh, live a life of authenticity and meaning. And one of the things I've really discovered is that eating animal foods essentially creates a cultural environment that's based on the exploitation and and domination of other living beings, which not only is devastating to them, but it also devastates, in many ways, the inner landscape of our own awareness. That we have to essentially learn to function in a society that turns beings into things and by stealing the purposes of other living beings we end up ironically losing our own purpose and by consuming them literally consuming other living beings we become a consumerist society that has perverted uh, our purpose on this planet from one of giving to one of taking and we whoever can take the most whoever has the largest environmental footprint whoever you know has the creates the most uh, uh, devastation you know ironically or it's kind of paradoxically uh, has the highest uh, esteem in many ways who we you know if we can really uh, consume a lot then we are seen as uh, having become successful and so I think a new uh, sense of what success is a new sense of what it is to be uh, an authentic uh, person is emerging through uh, the awakening in many ways I think of the sacred feminine uh, dimension of consciousness which uh, all of us whether we are men or women we have this capacity to be receptive to protect and to love and to create a society that uh, nurtures uh, not only our, uh, our families and our communities but uh, our ecosystems because we're embedded I think we're we beginning to learn this more and more So what we're seeing, essentially, and we saw this in France, in uh, in Switzerland, Germany, Austria recently, uh, and, of course, we see it around the United States and Canada when we travel, and we seen it also in Asia. uh, There's a movement to really question the official stories that have been propagated by our society, primarily through the meals, Uh, and one of the things I think that's important to understand is that when we sit down to a meal, uh, we're sitting down very often with with people who are friends and, and relatives, and their rituals of indoctrination at a very deep level and so we're seeing that the, the meals that we've been forced to eat from the time we're little children uh, are more and more people are realizing that uh, they're demonic in a sense I mean they're actually uh, causing incredibly uh, deep wounds to our, our earth uh, horror and misery to the animals who are, are killed and exploited Uh, and uh, wiping out habitat for wildlife, causing hunger to people who uh, could otherwise eat the grains that we are feeding to animals, causing food shortages, which are the driving force behind the wars that we're seeing. When I was in Europe, I was actually on a train that went from uh, Austria to Germany, and uh, on the train it came from Hungary, and there were all these refugees on the train. And I remember when when we got into Germany, Uh, The police came on and more than, I'd say, 60% of the people were just thrown off the train because they were not allowed to come in because they were refugees from a situation that's just devastating. In Syria, for example, um, the terrible droughts, the food shortages really can be traced to the global climate change and water, um, uh, loss loss of water supplies, uh, water depletion, uh, which really go back to animal agriculture and... The mentality of animal agriculture which is domination and exploitation of animals really leads into uh, the kind of war machine that we see so I think there is this wonderful awakening happening and it's great to see you Anuj uh, continuing to help raise awareness about this and to realize that we're not alone here I mean even if we were alone I think we'd still do it but <laughs> it's nice to see that there are people, in, uh, not only in the United States, but really, you know, we're part of an international awakening, and uh, I think it's there's no more important thing we can do with our precious time on this planet, the few years that we have here, than to contribute to this in some way.
1: Well, no, absolutely, and Dr. Terrell, thank you for, you know, the acknowledgement. I mean, people like you have been such an inspiration to all of us who do this kind of work, and, you know, you're men- you touched on so many of the really seminal points in your book, you know, you talked about the feminine, you talked... Uh, just about the environmental devastation and the and the exploitation of other beings and all that, but I did want to just mention in terms of the international, it's been very encouraging. You know, uh, I'm originally from India, and it's been kind of a painful <laughs> uh, observation for me over the years to know that my culture has been so close yet so far because they're so inc- incredibly wedded to this notion of uh, you know cows, you know, mammary secretions because of some mythology that uh, you know started a few a couple thousand years ago, whatever it was with Krishna. You know the uh, one of the gods in the pantheon there, and um, they're so compassionate and they're so open to that idea of compassion toward living beings, and yet they're so stuck on on having. Yogurt and butter and cheese and and, and milk over there. From, you know the products of cows. And just recently, I was talking to a cousin of mine. And I called her to wish her a happy birthday, and she said there are three vegan restaurants in in Houston. You know, I'm from Houston, so that slipped out of my uh, out there. But I'm from Mumbai in Mumbai, and I thought really three vegan restaurants. That's three more vegan restaurants than I had um, seen when I uh, last time I was there a couple years ago. And I got an email from a colleague of mine saying that there is now an Indian vegan society. And uh, I know that you've actually been to India, is that right, Dr. Tuttle, right? And I think you're going again soon, you were saying, sometime? Uh, or is that not true? Did
2: I misunderstand? Actually, yeah. We're, um, my wife, Madeline, has been to India many times. I have not actually been to India, mm. but I've been working a lot with uh, cultures, uh, Indian, basically Indian people living in North America, primarily, oh, okay. and also in England. Uh, Janes uh, for for sure. Uh, we've worked a lot with the Jains and we're working with another group uh, who um, next month. Well, week, not next month. The month after next, December, um, doing a cruise. Uh, there, it's a group of Indian people who are doing a, a vegetarian, actually vegan cruise um, because they are familiar with the World Peace Diet, and they want. And, and it's on peace. It's called the Peace Festival Cruise, the Madiam Peace Festival Cruise, going out of Dubai and. Um, the whole idea there is to make the connections between our cruelty toward animals, our devastation of the earth and the cultural uh, problems that we're having with war and hunger and, uh, and, and uh, the diseases that we're having and the interconnectedness of poverty and social injustice and the domination of women and of animals and, uh, and the racism and so forth. All these, these various forms of exploitation and of discrimination Uh, And the work that we've been doing, basically, starting not only with the World Peace Diet, but with the uh, second book, Circles of Compassion, uh, it's really focused on seeing the intersectionality of oppression and how uh, it's a very small step from enslaving uh, a cow, say, for example, because I want her milk, to also beginning to look with eyes of objectifying other human beings yeah. who somehow are different from me and somehow are have something that I want from them or you know that this is what we see the pattern happening and so what we're trying to do essentially and what I think the beautiful possibilities we have is to cut this off at the root and once going that's why I think veganism is so empowering and liberating for us as individuals and as a society. It really. Reflects what Gandhi was emphasizing over and over again—that there can never be positive social change without positive personal change. It's very easy to look at large corporations like Monsanto or large uh, um, other you know other uh, governmental agencies like the uh, the big war machine and and just think, oh, I, I, if we could just change them. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it's easy to blame others for the problems that we're having. And yet I think what we're more and more seeing, the truth of what Gandhi said, which is that we are called ourselves to be the change that we would like to see in the world, which means instead of blaming others, however despicable we may think they are, to really bring it back to myself, not only my how I'm living, what my purchases are, but I think at a deeper level, how what the quality of my relationships are. How am I really living what veganism is? Because I think what veganism is essentially is radical inclusion it's really working to to include all living beings within the sphere of my concern and kindness and so we no longer have the luxury I think as vegans to uh, to blame and shame others even if we don't agree with them or to condemn them that we're really called to be understanding and uh, loving in all of our relationships that that's the key uh, and and I think that requires inner work basically it requires I think some form of Uh, either meditation or introspection where we learn to quiet our mind and not just have our mind be overrun by the thoughts uh, which are basically injected into us by our parents and our teachers and the media. We have to really not only uh, have uh, a consumerism that does not consume violence uh, on the outer level but also an inner consumerism so that the thoughts we're Entertaining within ourselves uh, are in alignment with what veganism is, uh, which is kindness and caring and compassion and blessing others rather than harming them. And I think, as activists and as advocates for a better world, it's wonderful to actually go vegan. I mean, that's a tremendous thing to do in the face of the resistance. But I think, with the Indian culture, one of the beaut- beauties of the Indian culture is it's taught people to be uh, introspective. And not only, uh, you know, ch- uh, change others on the outside, but to really look within and change ourselves.
0: Thank you for listening to Speaking of Vegan. We're excited to be able to release a new show for you every few days. But if you have a hankering to keep in communication with us between episodes, and of course you do, you can stay connected with us through Facebook, Twitter, Google+, Instagram, and our YouTube pages. Thank you again for your interest in making the world a kinder place. And until next time, we'll see you in the Twitter sphere.
1: And welcome back to Speaking of Vegan, speakingofvegan.com, the podcast. As always, I'm your humble uh, host, Anut Shah, and uh, we are continuing here with Dr. Will Tuttle, author of The World Peace Diet and uh, most recently editor of, uh, the, uh, of the book Circles of Compassion. And Dr. Tuttle, we were just talking um, just before the break about, you know, all the, so many different things you, you high points you hit about your book. And, you know, it, it occurs to me too, I mean, that's the whole idea. You know, I love how you've talked about in the past and you've written about you know, a lot of these ideals and ideas and ideologies that people have are things that people don't even know they have. They're not, you know, we talk about freedom. but And people sort of mistakenly feel like they have the freedom to choose what they eat, for example, but they never really have because these ideas and these ways of being and these cultural ways of eating and exploiting other beings have been foisted upon us since our infancy, since birth. And they're so deeply ingrained in who we are and as different cultures, because pretty much every culture in civilization has been exploitative of, of non-human animals, right? And and it, I love how you address that topic, and I'd love you to, love for you to talk a little bit more about it, that, you know, it causes people, even people who find themselves or, fi- you know, have a worldview of themselves as people who are progressive and open-minded and social justice oriented, yet there's sort of this defining blind spot that you very articulately, Articulately describe in the book in the World Peace Diet that somehow when it comes to food and the exploitation of non-human animals for food, that's something we either it's verboten, we don't talk about, we can't talk about, and it's something people don't want to address. And I'd love for you to say more about that because that's so uh, central to your to some of the themes you mentioned.
2: Right, Anuj. Yeah, that's really you're you're right. You know, and it's it's ironic. You and I are sitting here uh, just outside the San Francisco. Uh, Vegfest. The city was close to a million people, and you'd think that you know, there to be at least you know a few hundred thousand people here. <laughs> when, I, mean, <laughs> I have to laugh because that was kind of my expectation, yeah, right. and it's, it's a sort of a, a modest <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> situation here in 2015. Right. So yeah. it's uh, it's still even in a city, uh, one of the most progressive cities probably in the world, where you have people who are questioning everything. Uh, the, I think really the most difficult uh, thing for, for many people to question uh, and as you say, the, as I call it in the World Peace I the uh, defining blind spot, is the abuse of animals for food and for other products, but primarily for food and I think the reason it's uh, so difficult for us to address primarily is that we are, all of us, are products of our community and of our upbringing and of the rituals of our communities and so um, when we look deeply at the rituals in any society we see that the the number one most powerful ritual in any culture for transmitting values from generation to generation are the food rituals around eating and meals and in our society today uh, from the time we're little infants, as soon as we lose our mother's breast, which in many cases we don't even get that, we're already getting dairy even before we, uh, we get meat, but we're given uh, the flesh of animals from a very early age from people we trust implicitly, and so there are very deep subconscious uh, connections that are made between love and welfare and, and uh, nurturing and meat and dairy. You know, th- these are sort of at a deep level uh, brought home to us and the smells, perhaps, of, of cheeseburgers or pot roast or whatever it is, and mother caring for me and feeding me these foods, and and just the whole uh, the whole idea
1: that, of comfort foods. Yeah, the whole idea, of, right, yeah. of
2: comfort food, and the other idea of of, of social interaction. You know, because right. meals in any society are the main ways that people socialize, and so uh, very few people want to do anything that's going to endanger their social life and uh, so this is the this is the tension involved There's a wonderful saying by Krishnamurti more or less uh, summed up as he said it's not a good idea to be well adjusted to a profoundly sick society I think this is the tension we find ourselves in you know we we as we awaken in our consciousness we realize as we look around that our society is sick very profoundly sick in the sense of uh, having lost uh, touch with the Uh, Native and natural intelligence and compassion and empathy and wisdom that would allow us to live in harmony on this planet Uh, And yet we want to fit in (laughs) We want to be like everybody. We want people to like us. We want to go to meals together and have everybody uh, You know be part of the group and have everybody like us. So this is where I think the vegan way of living uh, is so liberating because we have to we, we learn actually to become our own person to actually question the uh, indoctrination of our society and of our own families and our parents and to connect I think really at a deeper level with the inner sense of justice the inner sense of um, of our intuitive wisdom uh, the in, in many ways an inner sense of, of rationality too I mean it's really profoundly irrational to be growing huge amounts of grain and feeding it to, to animals while people are starving to be you know, it takes a thousand gallons of water to make one gallon of milk. And this is profoundly irrational in, in, in today's day and you know, time and hey, I just want to throw in,
1: Dr. Tuttles, you're saying that we are here sitting in California, as you right. referenced a few moments ago. And, you know, we went to a restaurant last night, and on the menu it said, We will only serve you water, or we will serve you water only if you request it, because there's a tremendous drought in California. And I'm thinking to myself, Well, if everyone went vegan, I think the drought would be a lot less of an issue, as you're right. As you're and they're, so, they don't, and they're not
2: saying that about ordering cheese. You think about right. it. I mean, one, <laughs> say, a half a pound of cheese, it takes about eight, pounds of water you know so that's a whole gal. that's that's basically that's a 16 to 1 ratio it's yeah You were talking about a, a thousand pounds of uh i mean a thousand gallons of water for that one little you know eight ounces of cheese and they're telling us we should be aware of the water of a, of a little glass of water right, right and so it's just invisible people don't see it that's right. that's the reason and, and that's so,
1: getting back to the blindness it's, right it's and it's a willful blindness in a lot of ways because there are there's industry involved and you
2: know. It's two levels, right. It's, it's uh, There's a willful blindness, I think, from uh, the petroleum industry, from the agricultural industry, the pesticide industry, the pharmaceutical industry, the medical industry, the fast food industry, the grocery industry, the restaurant industry, the fishing industry. I mean, all these industries, uh, as well as the governmental institutions in the background, as well as the financial institutions in the background, as well as even the... Uh, the, the environmental <laughs> uh, uh, institu- you know uh, a- activist groups in the background really don't want anyone to be aware of this and then on the other hand we have the, uh, you know, the people ourselves, us, most of us if we're eating meat and dairy uh, and someone brings these ideas to us it causes uh, something uncomfortable which is cognitive dissonance and what I refer to as affective dissonance which is basically uh, feelings that don't really go together too. And so we would rather simply not know. We just think it would be easier not to know.
1: Right.
2: And that's the dilemma. So we want to know on one level. It's natural human yearning to know, to understand, to grow, to flourish, to be creative, and so forth. And yet there's this other dimension of us that wants to stay comfortable. Right. <laughs> and wants to right. wants to fit in and <laughs> wants to just... Uh, basically be able to, you know, to, to eat what I want to eat. But what you said so earlier is so funny because, and so important to understand, because one of the very first things that happens when we begin to talk about these ideas uh, is that someone will say to us, well, listen, you know, don't tell me what to eat. I, this is what I like, this is, you know, I have a right to eat this, this is what people eat, and you're just in a tiny minority, so don't try to tell me what to eat. And we have to understand that anyone who's eating meat and dairy products and eggs is only doing it for one reason. They're doing it because they're eating what they've been told to eat. <laughs> that's the only reason. Yeah, they've been deeply the only, indoctrinated, right? From right. the time we we're little infants, we we're given this. We we're just forced into eating these foods, and that's the only reason we're eating them. So actually, what we're talking, what we're basically doing, is giving per- people permission to question the indoctrination, which is not in their best interest. I mean, we're talking about people. Who are getting heart disease and cancer and diabetes and obesity and osteoporosis and kidney disease, liver disease, autoimmune diseases, and just the various forms of cancer and 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 colon uh, problems and all these things, as well as seeing the water and and the the um, the environment that they're living in. I mean, where I live right now, just two and a half hours north of here, my neighbor's houses a thousand. 1500 houses right in where i live uh, burned to the ground. You know, 150,000 acres of old growth forest is burned. It's it's destroyed now for probably at least four or five generations. We don't have we are seeing right now something that has never seen been seen before. Scientists say that California where we're right now has never been this dry in over 500 years. So this is not some natural cycle. This is clearly something that's directly caused by huge amounts of methane and nitrous oxide and the cutting down of forests. And so we have to understand that just because I I like cheese, that that desire for that is really not only irrational, it's devastating. And uh, we're not going to have a world not only for our children, even for ourselves, if we continue on this path.
1: Well, and and, you know, you you mentioned the cheese and that's the thing you know the beauty of being vegan I mean one thing I'll just like to throw in and and you make a lot of really great points Dr. Tuttle you know and of course we're indoctrinated and people this is a way of being that people have always known since birth really And, and yet what's so liberating as you mentioned earlier about being vegan is you can inject your own level of joy and freedom and independence and and personal autonomy into who you are as a human being you can govern your direction in life and you can say this is truly who i am and what i believe my beliefs are not foisted upon me but i have had i have the independence and the autonomy and the ability to really create my destiny my identity and say you know what wait a minute because you mentioned a few things earlier you know internal wisdom and that kind of thing and one th- uh one f- phrase that also popped into my head is people have you know, there's rationality, there's internal wisdom, and they also have a a deep internal moral compass. And I think when people start to look, a lot of people don't want to look, it's not pleasant to look. It's not pleasant to look at what happens to animals in in slaughterhouses. It's not pleasant to see, you know, male chicks who are coming from layer hens being ground up in wood chippers. I mean, it's horrible to see them suffocated, or see what happens to dairy calves and who become, you know, the calves who become veal calves and and on and on. And of course, I always encourage people to even just go to YouTube and and just type in undercover dairy uh, investigation or undercover egg investigation or egg farm or whatever it is and they'll see the horrors of that life for billions and billions of creatures Um, but you know when people are able to have the courage to say you know what I'm going to look at that I'm going to question where I came from my belief system and how this isn't really my belief system but it was something that I've been indoctrinated with and really break through that and it's a revolutionary act and yet not nearly as It's profound, but not nearly as difficult. It's simple in a way. I'm not saying it's easy for everybody, but it's a simple concept. You can truly uh, sort of fashion and construct your whole uh, life, and it's the most liberating thing, as you said earlier. And I love how you said all these things because when you do identify the defining blindness that most people have had, and we've all been through this, right? I wasn't born a vegan. It was one day when I was on February twenty seventh, nineteen eighty nine. In fact, at two thirty five in the morning, you know, I had an aha moment of my own. You know, I was a teenager, and I thought wow you know this is and it's it's so liberating and it's so incredible and then when you shift and move to that side of things and live a life like that you live this incredible life of freedom and joy and and just vitality and people sense it and there's an energy about that that people are attracted to and i just had to say that and share and share that with you because i can feel even as we're both talking here that that Mm -hmm. is something that's welling up in us because that's who we are and I love everything you've said, and I just want to say about the cheese you just mentioned. Getting back to something you you mentioned a couple uh, few minutes ago, and I know that we have to we're going to wrap the first segment of our, our lengthy interview with you here just in a moment. But you know, again, getting back to the issue with India, and I know that in the next segment we're going to talk uh, in, in a lot more detail because I know you have a lot of information and you you have a deep study of India and Indian culture and philosophy and Jains and Hindus and their whole sort of obsession with bovine mammary secretions. But um, it has been. deeply disconcerting and, and, and hurtful in a way honestly for me as someone of Indian origin to see my culture be such a pioneer and revolutionary culture in the history of civilization, I mean, all the things that we admire nowadays that have, that have permeated into Western culture—meditation and yoga, and you know, compassion for life—and and you know, it's it's so interesting. Even at this festival, you, I mean, I just talked to a guy who's selling water water filters, and he started chanting this Sanskrit verse that he learned in college. You know, I mean, and yet, you know, there's all that, and yet there's this giant blind spot that they're unwilling to become unfettered from which is this sort of um, obsession and addiction to to bovine memory bovine secretion products, you know, borrowing that term from our good friend Bob Linden. So I, I know we're going to talk about that in the next segment. And, and, and in wrapping this segment, I just wanted to give you an opportunity to say anything else you'd like to say, right. uh, you know, as we as we kind of wrap up this this this, this Right,
2: line. yeah, so um, I think, yeah, I think it really is, I think a deep look into the dairy industry and the whole um, uh, uh, the, the mythology uh, surrounding dairy is amazingly empowering and fascinating so I'm looking forward to talking about that uh, in a future segment and uh, also I think another thing you made a really important point, I'd like to do a third segment actually um, I have, I've come up with about 10 uh, uh, keys to staying positive in the face of animal abuse, you know one of the things that people are afraid of, I think, in going vegan, is they think that, well, if I'm a vegan, then I have to be miserable all the time because <laughs> I'm aware of the suffering of animals. Right, so that, you know, if, I, right. if I just keep eating them, and I don't have to think about it, then I'll be happier. Right. So I think it's very important. So I, I've put together sort of you know, a number of keys that I think are really helpful for us, not only to, to go vegan, but to be joyful <laughs> and grateful and uh, creative in our lives as vegans. And I think, quite honestly, as vegans, we have a far uh, greater capacity for living that kind of a life than someone who's a pre-vegan. And it's a really a beautiful uh, thing to explore together. And then the final thing I'd like to just uh, say is that if anyone's interested in just learn, jumping in a little earlier or at any time learning more, we do have an a um, couple of online trainings. We have the World Peace Diet Facilitator training. Uh, and uh, we've got you know hundreds of people have gone through that in our leading study groups around um, the United States and the world and we also have our third Thursday of them every month the world peace diet circle where I respond to questions and, and talk about some of the uh, current uh, trends in the vegan movement so if anyone would like to go more deeply into the ideas and the world peace diet and circles of compassion and into um, sort of becoming an effective vegan advocate, to thriving as a vegan in a not-yet-vegan world, and to looking deeply into not just the physical dimension of this, but really the metaphysical dimension and the cultural dimension as well. I think uh, we'd love to have you. We'd love to you know, get to know everyone and, and together build, uh, from a grassroots level, uh, a movement for transformation of our society. Uh, it starts, I think, with each one of us. So thanks again, Anuj. It's been great to just... Have this time. It's never. We never have enough time. But this time, well, this this amount of time, and we we'll look forward to a couple more sessions. Well,
1: we're going to do a number of additional segments with you, Doctor Tuttle. It's always a pleasure. And I just want to give you an opportunity, since you mentioned some of these things. You know, you've got the third Thursday calls. You've got the facilitator training. Where can people find oh. more information about that? If you want to tell us your website and that kind of thing.
2: Right. Just I think WorldPeaceDiet.com is probably the best place to go, and you can link from there to the uh, music, the art, the. Uh, classes and the trainings and the uh, other uh, to our tour schedule too we're going to we're actually leaving uh soon and this whole next year most of 2016 we will be traveling so we may be coming to an area near you wherever you happen to be in north america or even some uh, other countries as well
1: well, that is fantastic. Worldpeacediet.com. You can uh, find some information, uh, a lot more information about Dr. Tuttle and his endeavors and, and writings and all the projects you guys are doing there. And uh, again, we've had on this first segment of uh, one of many uh, Dr. Will Tuttle. It's been such a pleasure to have you. You're the author of The World Peace Diet. That's had its 10th anniversary this year. And this year, you uh, edited a compilation that came out, this Circles of Compassion. And, uh, you know, The World Peace Diet, I wanted to mention, was a number one bestseller on Amazon.com just a few years ago. So, I encourage everyone to get a chance to look at that and, and read it. It will profoundly impact your life in a positive way. And Dr. Tuttle, thank you so much for taking your time. I know you're so busy and you've got so many different things and, and uh, projects that you're working on. It's been a pleasure mm-hmm. and I look forward to uh, our second segment uh, very very soon.
2: Great. Thank you everyone for listening and thank you Anuj. Okay,
1: thank you. And again, thank you all for listening with an open heart and mind. This has been Speaking of Vegan, speakingofvegan.com, the podcast. And as always, I'm Anuj Shah, your host. And until next time.
0: Thank you for listening to our podcast, Speaking of Vegan. If you like what you hear on the show and would like to promote your business by being an advertising sponsor, email us at sponsor at speakingabegan.com. Thank you for what you do to make the world a more compassionate place. And again, that email is sponsor at speakingabegan.com. Website at www.speakingofvegan.com where you can access and download our show, view the vegan events calendar, and pick up some awesome speaking of vegan merchandise. Support the cause with the purchase of one of our brand new 100% cotton speaking of vegan t shirts. There's a custom design on the front and back, and we have both men's and women's sizes in six different colors. Again, that's www.speakingofvegan.com and just click on the store.